Hey, Katie. Hi, Ben. I'm having some trouble because I feel like as we talk about uh, more more in-depth or detailed topics, especially ones with really long names, I can't come up with good puns. But everyone who writes in says they like my puns, which I find a little puzzling. So two things. Uh, Number one, sampling bias. If people don't like puns, they're not going (laughs) to write in and be like, Or they're not going to listen to the show. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. But second thing is like, yeah, there's there's a lot of pressure associated with great artistry and punsmanship. And yeah, um, I I feel like I'm actually uh, I'm 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 suffering from imposter syndrome because I I really am a novice at punning. I I'm I enjoy dad jokes, but I'm not a dad. So anyway, just a really long winded explanation (laughs) for why there's no pun today. Yeah, with that. We're talking about feature importance, everybody. Feature importance. What pun should we have used? You are listening to Linear Digressions. Oh, goodness. Okay, so listener suggestion on this one. Ooh, cool. Uh, yeah, so this, and this actually was uh, a request from a couple different people. So uh, Rajesh and Brian in particular, uh, thank you for bringing this up. Um, the context for this, for people who might have forgotten or, or missed it, uh, we had a couple of episodes not too long ago now about how there's this thing called the rock curve, and that's a good metric for classification models in some ways. One of the comments that I made in a little bit of as an aside is that um, it's not a particularly good metric for deciding if you're getting the feature importance of your model correct. Uh, the idea being that it, very often you have a lot of different features that you can put into your model. Uh, not always knowing exactly which ones are the most important. And very often, you know, getting the feature importance right is pretty important for for a few different reasons. And so if you can't use the AUC to figure out what features are important in your model, then the question was, what can you do instead? And I think that's actually, that's a really interesting and important question and it's got a lot to it. So we'll try to cover at least a little bit of that. There's no way that we would be able to cover everything that we might talk about here, but some of the some of the high points of this topic. Okay, so when you talk about feature importance, I mean, in so your model, you've got a bunch of uh, features that you could lock onto, and feature importance is deciding which of these things is more meaningful for figuring out whatever problem you want to solve? Yeah, so the idea of one of these machine learning models is that it's going to find statistical patterns in the data that correlate with some kind of outcome that you're interested in. And so any patterns that might be associated with the with the outcome that you're interested in, it's not guaranteed that those patterns are equally spread across all the different features that you're putting into your model, right? So you can imagine that there are certain features, let's say whether somebody likes a certain kind of music, whether they're a dog or a cat person might be a feature in that model, but it might be completely unrelated to whether they like a certain kind of music. Or mm. maybe it surprises you and it 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 is correlated somehow and Maybe that's for complicated reasons that you don't totally understand, but it does make your model better. And so then you might want to have a little bit of an idea that that's an important feature in your model and to think about that a little bit and try to figure out if you just learned something. So, okay, so let's imagine you have your model 
and you're interested in thinking about feature importance. So there are, I think, two big reasons that you might be interested in feature importance. Uh, one is because there might be features in your data set that are irrelevant and you want to get rid of those if that's the mm. case because that's a situation where you can easily find yourself overfitting. You're basically, those are kind of noisy columns with respect to the outcome you care about. And so the fact that they're even available for the model to take advantage of basically means that the only thing they can do is overfit they can your only model. hurt you, yeah. Yep. So that's the first thing that you might want to do is uh, look at your features and be asking yourself the question, basically, is this a feature that I should get rid of? Um, and so we'll call that regularization. Um, but there might be other names that people have for it, but I call it regularization. The second reason you might care about features is because you're trying to use it to understand your model. And you're, you wanna have some kind of heuristic idea about what features seem to have a, you know, seem, seem to be most associated with the outcome that you're interested in. And I'm being a little bit uh, picky in the way that I choose my words here because it's very easy to accidentally start ascribing sort of causal mechanisms uh, in this scenario. And in general, that can be a dangerous path to go down unless you know what you're doing. So a causal mechanism is something like, well, I see that people who like dogs also like, name me a kind of music here. Uh, punk rock. Punk rock. Thank you. So people who like dogs also like punk rock. I want to sell a lot of punk rock. And so I'm going to go try to sell it to dog people because I have some idea in my head about there being a causal connection between dogs and punk rock. Um, that may or may not be the case, um, but that's kind of like a causal statement. Like because somebody likes dogs, therefore they like punk rock and I'm going to mm. do something about that. Like it can start to get dicey, but Knowing that there's that connection there, knowing that you have a little bit of a of an insight into what your model is doing can be valuable. Machine learning models are sort of famous for being black boxy and not being very clear what they're like doing, so to speak. And so feature importance can be one of the ways that you can try to unpack that a little bit and get a sense for what the model's doing. Okay, so those were the two things you said you were going to talk about. Maybe let's move on to regularization. Yeah, so regularization... Uh, there are a few different names for some of the most famous algorithms for this. So people might be familiar with lasso regression or ridge regression or elastic net regression. This is very often done in combination with a logistic regression type algorithm, but not always. And the rough idea of regularization, this could get its own podcast episode, but very roughly speaking, the idea is we're going to have some kind of penalty for the complexity of the model. And the way that manifests itself is it's, it's a penalty on each of the f additional features that we have in the model. And that penalty basically is weighing two different things against each other. Number one is how good the model is in terms of something like the mean squared error. So the models, how, how good of a job it's doing at mapping the predictions onto the data that it actually sees. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the other thing that it wants to do is get those predictions as tight as possible while keeping the model simple as much as possible. That makes sense. So you're basically trying to uh, balance those two things. You're trying to get the quality high. Uh, you don't want to sacrifice the quality by making the model more simple, but you don't want, and you don't want the inverse. You want the model to be as simple as possible without sacrificing quality. Right. And so what regularization says is we're going to apply a penalty for each 
additional feature that's in the model or as features have um, you know bigger coefficients that are associated with them will have like a penalty that's associated with that the exact size of that penalty is usually something that you have to figure out via some kind of like parameter search then you say that there's some kind of objective function associated with your model and that objective function is going to be the sum of all the mistakes that your model makes so something like a mean squared error plus the penalty terms that are associated with the additional complexity. Um, and so you're mm. going to try to find something that's going to be at the kind of sweet spot of the combination of those two things and not either one of them individually. Right, that makes sense. So you're basically adding how bad did my model do with how overly complex was my model. And ideally, when you sum those things together, if one grows by a certain amount and the other one doesn't shrink by that same amount, then you're going in the wrong direction. You're kind of looking for the the dip in that curve, the minimum of that curve. Yep. And there are a few different kinds of regularization, like I said at the beginning. And I think we should probably just get into the details on some other episode sometime. Um, but I will just say that these the different types of regularization, there's subtleties in them and exactly kind of the assumptions that they're making and when you might want to use one or the other. Um, and that I think really depends on the nature of the problem that you're trying to solve and the and in particular the data that you're using to train your model. And so thinking pretty deeply about what you think is going on in your data can be a pretty a pretty important part of using regularization correctly. In particular, uh, how are the correlations, what kinds of correlation structure do you have in your data? Um, and thinking through the way that the different kinds of regularization will decide when to get rid of a when to get rid of a variable in response to that. I realize I just sort of like said something without saying anything. Um, so apologies if this is something that's keeping you up at night. We'll try to cover it in some future episode. But <laughs> but just to say that it can it can get very subtle very quickly. Um, and so regularization mm. is really powerful, but it's also something that uh, can be a little bit you have to be careful. Does it feel like the kind of thing where the more time you spend looking into regularization and learning it, the less, uh, I guess, opaque or scary or complicated it seems? Yes, that's the case. Yeah. Got it. So basically, when you're trying to summarize high level, it's really difficult to do because it's very subtle. But once you start actually getting down in the weeds and experiencing it for yourself, then you kind of gain more intuition or more information about uh, when to use one versus the other. Yeah, I think that's definitely right. The more experience you have with it, the more of these different scenarios you've had a chance to think through, and then and then you your your thoughts become a little more organized. Also, I just realized that I think we have covered regularization in the past, and this is now the first time that I have actually forgotten an episode that we've done oh, somehow no. for, for the last few minutes. So I. <laughs> Definitely don't remember the details of what we covered in there, but I think we might have done some regularization stuff in the past. All right. So if we so, do additional episodes sticking into the details, we're going to probably go and listen back to our own show first. Um, but anyway, we should we should keep this moving. So, All right. okay, you're trying so, to reduce overfitting. Yeah, you're right. That's to, regularization is overfitting. Yeah. Uh, well, and 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 a bunch of stuff. But like, let's, okay, yeah. let's keep it moving. So the other thing that you might be interested in, like I said, regularization is very often used with like linear models, like logistic regression. Um, but maybe you have something like tree based models or other kinds of models that where you want to have something more of an understanding of uh, what's going on underneath the hood of your model and can you tell some sort of story about the patterns that the model is finding. 
And there are a number of different algorithms for this, uh, depending on exactly what it is you want to figure out and what structure your data might have. Again, this is kind of the artistry of machine learning. One of the things that you can do is if you're learning, if you're using something like Scikit-Learn, uh, and you're using maybe some tree-based models and things like that, they actually have feature importance that gets returned to you once you train the model. So as it's building out a decision tree that's picking up on the different patterns in the data, uh, as it's making splits in that decision tree, it's trying to basically find splits on the training, uh, the training features that allow you to end up in situations where you have lots of one class on one side of the tree and the other classes on the other side of the tree, you know, with very like high purity in each of those two nodes and not very much cross-contamination across them. Um, and so when you find a feature that when you make a split on that feature, you end up with, you know, a big information gain, which is basically taking a bunch of mixed together examples and figuring out a way to separate them. Mm. If you do that effectively, that's called like information gain is one of the words for that, or, or a decrease in entropy is another way that this is phrased. Uh, when you find a feature that allows you to do that, then there's a way of basically quantifying how much of the information gain of the algorithm as a whole came from that feature. And then you have sort of a way of saying oh, this was a cool. really important feature or not. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. Um, and you get it for free basically when you use scikit-learn. Yeah. I mean, a as a program, I can say libraries are really good and <laughs> probably as a data science, you uh, you'd say the same thing. Word. It's um, nice when you can use other people's code. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. One of the other things that I kind of, I think is a cool idea is you can take features and this is, this is a little bit more intensive and I'm not as familiar with any um, programs that do this out of the box, but it's the idea of you run many different versions of your model. And in each one of those versions of the model, you take one of your features, the one that you're interested in studying and you scramble all of the values in it. So you keep the same values, but you just break any relationship that there might be between each of the rows and like the value that a, a given feature takes on in that case. Um, so the idea is that you still have the same fundamental information. You still have all the same values for that feature that you started out with, but you've destroyed any relationship that it could plausibly have with your dependent variable. And so then when you build another model with this data set that's now been kind of messed around with, you see if your model kind of falls apart. And if your model falls apart once you've scrambled one of your features, then that's a point uh, in favor of that feature actually being pretty important. It's saying that like when we lose the relationship between this feature and our dependent variable, our model falls, falls apart. You know, mm. there's a pattern here that was really important that we were latching onto before. And when we take it away, then our, our model gets lost. Does that make sense? I think it does, yeah. It's almost like trial and error where you're removing parts. I don't know. It, yeah, yeah. It, it almost makes me feel like, okay, you've got a car, the car is running, and you like pull out the, uh, what's it called, the dipstick, the thing that goes into the oil thing. Yeah. And the car keeps running, and you're like, okay, well, maybe this isn't too important. I don't know. Uh, and you pull out the spark plugs, and all of a sudden the car doesn't work anymore. So you can probably intuit that the spark plugs are important. And that's a really, really bad metaphor. It, it doesn't hold any- No, it's um, not a bad metaphor at all, actually. Well, it doesn't that hold any weight good. if you follow it. But the, the idea of like, okay, trial and error, can we break this? Or can we make this much worse? 
you can kind of deduce what parts are more important and less important by seeing how it affects your model. Yep. The last thing that I will touch on before we sign oh, off. Yes. By the way, mm-hmm. never pull spark plugs out of a running car. Have you done that? No. <laughs> okay. But I, I know it's a bad idea. I'm sure. I'm sure you can't. Well, Aren't you spark probably plugs could. for starting it? Well, like spark plugs are involved in the combustion of gasoline. So Yeah, but I thought they I start imagine... the engine. Wait, the spark plugs don't start the, start the engine, right? The spark plugs ignite the gasoline. Yeah, but then once the gasoline's on fire. But every stroke of the motor, it Oh, I might be thinking of the ignition coils. You might be. Uh, who's got um, two thumbs and doesn't know that much about cars? This gal. <laughs> oh, me too, actually. I just know one, just the, like minute amount more than you do or maybe i don't i don't know at least i know what a spark plug is i think if we're wrong we're gonna get a lot of emails yeah no i definitely know you're ahead of me because i remember a couple years ago when my car the check engine light came on and i remember we were in the parking lot at udacity and we were using your little attachment thing to try to read out the engine codes and try to figure out because i was about to go on a on a road trip with it and i was trying to figure out if it was like a big deal and there was something about the coils that were broken or something we got it fixed but yeah yeah anyway you had one more thing i had one more thing the last thing i was going to add is that it's sort of like a big elephant in the room when you start talking about feature importance in any kind of like real world problem which is that if you have features that are correlated with each other all of this becomes more challenging in many different kinds of ways like i we won't be able to like cover all the ways that this gets hard. But if you're trying to do regularization, if you're trying to do feature importance for interpretation, uh, it gets really, really hard if you have if you have two columns that are, you know, if they're correlated, that's basically saying they're conveying the same information or to a certain extent, they're conveying redundant information. And mm. so knowing, you know, which one of them is important uh, maybe both of them are, maybe neither of them are, but depending on the details of your model, maybe they end up offsetting each other in a way that can be misleading and make you think they're both really important, but in opposite directions. Like there's all kinds mm. of things that can yeah. get real tricky when you have correlated variables. Um, and so you just need to be like very, very thoughtful about that if you're trying to use any of these techniques on data sets that look like that. That feels like the disclaimer of like, hey, think about what you're doing rather than just, you know, blindly applying models. Because, you know, sometimes you come across an algorithm and you think, wow, this is really cool. It does everything I need. I'll just kind of apply it all the time. Uh, But at the end of the day, you still do need to think, okay, what am I actually doing? Like, what is it doing to my data set? What is it looking at? How is it like, how is it actually responding? And what is it actually telling me? Yeah, I think this is, you know, where you put the scientist into data scientist that, you know, the data is reflecting trends that actually exist in the world, patterns that exist in the world. But you you can't just use data to, like, unpack that in some kind of, like, turnkey way. You need to have all different ways of, like, thinking about that problem and reconstructing it in your head and trying to understand how you're going to pick it apart because there might be these little catches here and there. Um, so yeah, being thoughtful about the problems that you're working on and as much as possible, uh, you know, trying to learn about them and, and study them and gain subject matter expertise when possible, all these sorts of things. That's where you actually start to be able to solve some of these problems because, you know, the data itself will not always save you. 
Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lin Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.